psycho failures on film, Zach will not be getting distracted by Batman and instead discussing student bodies, the aforementioned 1981 horror parody. Plus, we'll be playing a new game to decide who and what we'll be watching next week. So, go ahead and put on your favorite Camp Crystal Lake shirt and go for a swim while nobody's watching because it's time for... <laughs> note note only put on the shirt no bottoms it has to be at least somewhat skinny dipping when involving in, in camp crystal lake hello and welcome back to frightful failures on film thank you for joining us once again uh and and forever uh keeping up with the theme that this show is never the same thing twice uh you may have noticed that there's somewhat of an audio change coming from our own uh tn guignol uh tn yeah, is actually like our first episode Right, exactly. If suddenly it sounds just like the first episode again, it's because uh, we don't have Tien actually with us today uh, recording. Uh, Tien's got some business, and, and he couldn't, uh, he can only kind of do a passing cameo, unfortunately. Um, yeah, and, and I am sorry about that, but luckily, you know, you've got the capable hands of Mr. Sacramento today. The very capable hands, and so I know that you will ultimately... Be fine. Uh, we had sort of discussed prior to the episode my thoughts on student bodies, so I'm sure he can kind of speak for both of us. True. And perhaps he will. Maybe you can kind of do it as like a schizophrenic type thing, like, well, Zach, well, Zach. Well, um, to, just so everyone's up to speed here, um, Tien and I, um, were, you know, we obviously both watched the movie, and he did give me his thoughts and notes on the film. Um, however, I will be promptly ignoring them because I love this movie. And now with him gone, this will be completely biased, and uh, I will just gush about how much I love this movie for the next hour. <laughs> yeah, um, this, this may actually be my last episode, because he may just fire me next True. week. True, yeah, it's depending... Why do I have a second opinion on this? Like, I, <laughs> why I is this like a debate show? Opinion. This should be a monologue show. I don't know yeah, what I was thinking exactly, earlier. Exactly, exactly. Well, anyway, yeah, so... Uh, I am sorry about that, but I'm not able to uh, join you in person this week, buddy. Uh, that's all right. Like I said, uh, go do whatever you have to do, uh, whatever mysterious reason you have for not being here, and, uh, yeah. and I'll hold down the fort, and then hopefully we can actually get this thing back on track by next week, unless I Sounds do decide good. to promptly fire you and just make this one-man show. We'll see. We'll see. And like I said, uh, I may be calling you halfway through the episode if I've completely shit the bed and uh, <laughs> and this thing is falling apart. So, okay. uh, Tian, well, thank we'll you. And, and like I said, arrived, so I just don't want to, you know, it would be terrible quality the whole time. But either way, uh, let me know. Um, and hey, good luck today. All right, man. All right. Thanks, Tian. All righty. So, as my partner in crime here uh, stated, uh, I will be kind of doing this alone for the time being. And so basically what today we're talking about is, is the 1981 horror parody, Student Bodies. Now, Student Bodies came out uh, right after there was already some pretty big booming success with horror films. Uh, for instance, um, the films that are essentially referenced and or parodied in this movie that I could see 
were uh, Black Christmas in 1974, Halloween from 1978, Friday the 13th in 1980, Maniac in 1980, and Prom Night in 1980. Um, now, they referenced in the beginning of the film that like 72 horror films had been made the year prior and they were all successful or something like that. Um, I couldn't quite match that number, but in terms of at least movies that they reference, those are the lists that I found. Um, a lot of no names in this film. Um, we don't get the, the beautiful star power uh, of a Mr. Christopher Walken like we did with All American Murder, but um, the film does start with uh, the classic sort of trope of the teenage babysitter at home, and uh, she's just going through all of the classic cliches, like, oh, her boyfriend's coming over and he's not supposed to, and there's a creeper, like, watching them through the window, and so uh, he, we, the, the movie jumps right into it. We, she essentially hangs up the phone with a friend who's just kind of setting up exposition, and her and her boyfriend are going upstairs, and they're going to go have premarital sex, and then this mysterious heavy-breathing killer uh, comes into the picture and, uh, and ends up murdering both of them. Now, I say murder, but the movie doesn't really show you anything. That's half the fun is just him. He kills the girl with uh, paper clips, and he kills the guy by just wrapping him up in a big uh, garbage bag and suffocating him. And so um, that's, that's half of it right there is just him kind of picking that up. And there's a line that she says with her friend on the phone where she says something like, oh, well, if you live, if you do wild and crazy things, wild and crazy things will happen. And the girl goes, they do? And I thought that was the stupidest, stupidest line, but I guess that's kind of the point. But anyway, so um, the, the babysitter's dead, and her boyfriend is uh, is dead as well, and then the uh, family that she was babysitting for, although we never see a kid, by the way. There's never a child involved in this babysitting at all. So I guess it's more like house-sitting? I don't really know. Um, but uh, the, the husband and wife come home and uh, and are about to discover the uh, murdered babysitter. And so this is them uh, this is them coming back into the house. Look, she left the door open. Julie, we're home. Where is that girl? I hope she wasn't murdered in our bed. Your finger? You hurt your she finger? She didn't wash the dishes. I'll Seventy-five the dishes. cents an hour. She didn't well, wash one dish. Where is I'll, that girl? Maybe she's watching TV. At seventy-five cents an hour, we'll see about that. Ah! She left the TV I'll on. Oh, the TV. where is that I'll, I'll find girl? Her. I'll find her. I'll find her. The TV is left on. The dishes undone. And look at this mess. She's ruined the stairs. What's going on in my home at 75 cents an hour? Now, I realize now that if you're not watching it, it sounds very serious, um, but it really isn't. It's this, this, this housewife is just losing her shit at all these mundane things, and then eventually she finds the bodies and she's completely cool about it. Um, but basically, the, the movie is built about, and, and this is something that Tien had sort of mentioned, that the movie is primarily built as a parody of like Halloween or maybe even prom night, but it's uh, 75% of it is that. And then the last 25%. So, uh, hold on just one second. Um, yeah, hold on. Yes. Hello. Oh, oh looks like somebody had chose a bad time to leave their door unlocked. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> 
Oh, oh, come here, buddy. <laughs> okay, all right, okay, okay, all right. All right. Hey, you got a seat over here for me? What are you doing, boy? Uh, well, uh, recording a podcast, a horror podcast. Uh, we do it every week, almost every week. Oh, um, but you and your turn to leave your door unlocked, do they? It's it's a small town. I live in a small town in Spring Hill. We don't really... Yeah, uh, Springfield? Yeah, yes, basically. Haddonfield, almost. Oh. Uh, uh so why 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 are you why are you in here why are you in here? Oh, I'm sorry. You, you don't you don't recognize me. You don't recognize my face. You kind of look like my dad. Well, I, I, I don't I don't believe. I mean, I had, a, I had a few sort of flings in college, but I, I wouldn't think so. I mean, you you appear. What are you like? What are you like? Thirty? No, that that can't be possible. I can't. No, that that, that wouldn't timeline wouldn't match up. Well, first of all, ouch. Uh, second of all, yes. Um, so, I, okay, who are you? Why are you in my house? Uh, the name is Drillhole. Oh my God, you're the you're Drillhole. I've I've read. There's been all kinds of stories yeah. on like the back page of of uh, the local newspaper. You know, like That's where it's right. like yeah, like it's like the ads what? for stuff, and then then they put like those a little more ads. I paid for those. Oh, really? Well, very nice. Well, they weren't covering my my crimes, but but clearly you have heard of me. I am the serial mutilator. Surely you've heard of all of my crimes happening in Spring Hill. Like I said, they haven't exactly covered them, but I have paid to separately you know buy ads in the paper. It's very unusual to, to have to buy ads to report uh, horrible mutilations, but I think it was probably the subject matter. You seem to have a pension for uh, uh, buttholes, if I recall. Oh, that's right. That is right. That is right. They call me Drill Hole because I will give you a second hole of my trusty drill gun here. That's exactly right. And that's probably why those mainstream media coverages ain't going to be talking about me. It's all Trump, Trump, Trump. <laughs> Talking about old drill hole. Well, you know, it's it's probably a conspiracy, Mr. Drill Hole. Uh, so uh, anyway, so so that's enough uh, intro, I guess. Um, yeah, next so anyway, exposition. So where, where would you like your second butthole uh, to go ahead and get right here? I would say uh, not if we could. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's that's sort of part and parcel to who I am. I, I did that. Sir, yes, so. yes, I understand that. I I did gather, gather that. Um, but you know. I, 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 I get enough use out of the first one. I don't really feel like I need another one, to be perfectly honest with you. Oh, well, uh, you know, from, from what I hear, I'd like to stop my prey a little bit. And, and from what I've heard from your experiences in said restroom, uh, with all the, the straining, the grunts and groaning, I imagine a second one might, might actually do you a favor. Well, I do happen to have an issue with holding in my poop, so I don't know oh. if that would necessarily help that or if that would make that worse. What are you What are you doing here, by the way? You're recording. Oh, so, yes, yes, recording a podcast. Uh, uh, I, I, it's a horror podcast. We just watched a horror podcast. You should talk about poop on it. Well, um, uh, more more often than you'd actually think. Yes, but oh, but um, this specifically, there was a movie in 1981 called uh, uh, Student Bodies about a serial killer, not unlike yourself, uh, and, and it was a parody of the uh, the horror films that were gaining popularity at the time. Uh, wow. Student bodies, you know, conveniently enough, I think I've actually seen that movie. Conveniently enough. Uh, yes. No, you, you, I, I'm sure you have. In fact, let's, we, we, maybe we, we, we can talk about it a little bit, gonna get your two cents. I mean, I was 
I was just kind of rambling on before, boring the shit out of everybody. So oh, I mean, I would well, love to have. Well, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. And, and I, I would be more than happy to go ahead and join you. We'll consider these maybe your final words before we get to the drilling. Uh, we'll go ahead and talk about these student bodies here. So uh, that sounds perfect. Sounds perfect. So we'll Great. talk. Well, we'll laugh. Uh, we'll, we'll joke, yeah. and then maybe. Maybe you'll drill me a new butthole by the end. Who knows? We'll yeah, kind of exactly, play it by ear. Exactly. Okay. okay. It sounds great. Now, while I was uh, sneaking around outside your house, I actually heard you uh, talking a little bit. I wasn't sure what movie it was, but I heard you talking a little bit about how uh, it was inspired by some of the movies that came out right in 1980. Uh, what, what was it? The, the examples that you was using? Oh well, uh, uh, there's Black Christmas in 1974. Black Christmas, yeah. Uh, which is which a lot of people, including myself, sort of give credit to as the first actual slasher film. And then obviously Halloween in 1978, uh-huh. Friday the 13th in 1980, Maniac in 1980, and uh, Prom Night in 1980. Yeah, very good. Now, um, now you wouldn't happen. I know that uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre had also come out before this, uh, but would you say that was technically a slasher? Would that have been something you think that would have influenced this? Well, um, there's one scene in particular that it might have uh, included that involved uh, a kill around. Uh, in regards to a chainsaw, but uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is so stylized, though that's why I feel like it's it's a different uh, beast altogether. Because the other ones that that I mentioned are all sort of variations of slasher films, um, and uh, a lot of them were obviously teen slasher films. Whereas Texas Chainsaw Massacre, although it does share some of those same features, it's so stylized and so just gritty that I feel like it. it they just didn't feel like they could really handle an homage to that film. That's my opinion, though. I don't know for sure. But somebody does get killed almost by a chainsaw in the movie, so yeah, that's, the argument that's could true. Be they sure do. Um, I, I was also thinking, uh, you know, of course, I had recently plotted out chronologically that we had also seen Friday the 13th and Halloween prior to 1981. Surely those also affected it. Those are more of what you could maybe consider the contemporary slash and what may have influenced this here. Um, what else did we get prior to 1981? We got Alien. I don't know how much that would have influenced no, this. No, but Maniac was in 1980 and Black Christmas, which Black Christmas's killer did the heavy breathing on the phone before the kills, which I feel like that's where that character kind of comes from in student bodies because our killer in this actually breathes heavily and does that. And, and, and if you don't mind, Mr. Drill Hole, I actually have a clip uh, queued up here showcasing the, the killer in this movie and, and, and uh, heavy breathing and sort of the voice that we get from him. So if I can play that just real quick. Oh, fine, please. Okay, Ooh. thank you. Just just one moment. Skin. Boobs. I'm taking it out of my pants. I'm doing what my mommy told me not to do. I do think that they missed a marketing opportunity with student bodies because having a shirt that says, I'm doing what my mommy told me not to do is a pretty outstanding line. And I'm saddened that they... Uh, I'd certainly wear it. Right. I would wear it as a tank top to Walmart is basically mm. what I was thinking. Um, so anyway, so that's kind of the Black Christmas homage. But as I was saying before you barged in and threatened to drill me a new butthole, mm. uh, that... Um, Sorry, man. Oh, that, you know, we all have our, our druthers, I understand. Um, that the beginning of the film really is just the point-for-point point, uh, Halloween homage. Because uh, we start with the babysitter in the house. She's all by herself. The killer's stalking her. Um, that really is, I believe, the most in-your-face homage 
to uh, any of the or parodies to any of the horror films that we've gone over so far, um, because it, it really is almost point for point in hitting the same kind of beats as Halloween. Although I will say that a there's no kid in the house, which I thought was hilarious for being a babysitter being in there, and then uh, and and then b we get a lot of uh, we get uh, sort of the taking the piss out of the horror films. Like, for instance, the, the babysitter uh, hears a, a weird sound outside, and she unlocks the door to go see what it is, and then forgets to lock the door, which could happen to anybody, not unlike myself, not unlike leaving my door open like an idiot mm-hmm. and allowing a you know, serial killer to hop in. But Who nevertheless. do that? So, uh, so with that said, you know, uh, the, the film actually points it out, and, like, with text on the screen says, unlocked, with, like, an arrow pointing... Um, to the door, so there's there is definitely humor like that. I will say that not all the humor translates. There were some jokes in the movie that um, were just either too dated or just were referencing something that just I just didn't have the context for. Um, like there's a whole thing about a student, like a, a student coming from Africa on a bus, and it and like he shows up on the last day of school because the bus took that long. And they really like they really hang their hat on that joke, and I'm just kind of like I don't get where that's supposed to be in reference to or funny or it just it just didn't hit for me. Yeah, but but to, to sort of discuss the beginning of the movie here, I feel that it, it comes out of the gate real strong, uh, especially if somebody were to tell you like, hey, this is a an early 1980s horror parody, you would just think like that they did not have any basis to go off of, and you'd almost be shocked at how uh, on point a lot of the comedy is early in this movie, that how uh, almost similar to uh, the Wayans Brothers' uh, later attempts at horror parodies, which their efforts are obviously much more meta because they're really primarily parodying a parody. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll get into that later. Um, but but it really comes out of game very, very strong with almost a Mel, Mel Brooks sort of comedy. Very, very slapstick and very on the nose and all the actors really giving exactly what uh, was needed of them very, very early in the film. And I, I personally, I did find that very, very surprising. I actually had to go back. That's why I plotted out this whole chronology, because I thought, how how are they able to do this comedy? First of all, that no one has heard of this movie. But but second off, that, that they're able to pull off this uh, expert comedy in 1981. What could have possibly come out that have uh, caused them to be so enlightened on what horror tropes already were so early in the game, and so very that, is when... that is that is the most noteworthy thing about this film is that for being so very early in the infancy of slasher films, mm-hmm. that they called so much shit from a mile away. Like so many things that they joke about in this movie end up becoming these staples of the genre. And uh, I think had this movie gotten a little more notoriety, that maybe slasher movies would have had to change things up. Because like I said, although it isn't good fun, they are kind of taking the piss out of things. Um, and in regards to like the just idiocies of of the teenagers in danger and and the fact that it's so uh, especially and I think I, I think the biggest thing to take away from um, Friday the Thirteenth's influence on this is the fact that sex does kill in this movie quite a bit that that seems to be a very big catalyst of the film is that any mm-hmm. any characters that are having premarital sex are uh, immediately murdered oftentimes they haven't even had the sex yet. Um, they're off to go get something. Like uh, there are several scenes where the the male goes, "Oh, I got to go get a condom. I'll be right back." 
and then they're both dead before they even actually have the act. So I found that kind of interesting as well for being something that was condemning sex, that they were killing people without them actually having the act. Yeah, no, absolutely. And to maybe draw a comparison, maybe you had a few uh, influence that you, that, that you had uh, had in mind for the comedy of it. I know I said it was maybe a little bit Mel Brooks, just in terms of the slapstick and really the over-the-top ridiculousness, uh, almost like watching a, a cartoon in real life. But, uh, you know, there, there was the weigh-ins before the weigh-ins aspect of it as well. I also uh, felt... Clue and Rocky Horror Picture Show were the two other things that I really felt that this was very comparable to in terms of the actual comedy of it. So I don't oh, know actually, I, I was thinking it was more uh, akin to um, like Airplane or um, uh, Police Squad, Ooh. like those very slapsticky yeah. sort of like you shake your head and go, "Oh God damn it!" Like Leslie Nielsen kind of films, just because some just the, the, and that was just because of the time. You know, that was just the kind of comedy that was okay then and was um, was looked upon. But, yeah, that's why I always kind of thought of it. Although the things you bring up do kind of play a part as well, very much this, like, um, wholesome middle, poking fun at wholesome middle America kind of thing. Um, and the fact that they wanted an R rating but didn't want to change their story at all, which I thought was interesting, because uh, Student Bodies is technically rated R, but has no uh, over-the-top violence or sex in it. Like I said, all the characters get killed before they have sex, and all of the kills are very comical, and we don't even see most of the violence anyway. Oh, um, boy, yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I thought it was a joke when they said in the movie uh, that they almost cut, and this is where it's almost Rocky Horror in a way, that they cut over to an entirely different gentleman sitting at a desk, well-dressed, who says that the film is rated R, even though it doesn't contain any graphic violence or, you know, uh, nudity or sexuality. And actually, we've, to, we've, Mr. Yeah. Uh, Drillhole, we actually have that clip pulled up right here. Oh, do so you I can, really? I can play that, uh, that, which I have to say, this is probably one of the funnier scenes in the movie. So to give everybody context, we're right in the middle of a crime scene. We've just found two more student bodies dead. And then out of nowhere, we cut to, uh, like, uh, like uh, my esteemed guest said, a, a well-dressed uh, white man in a suit uh, giving us the what for of the rating of this film. So here we go. Oh God, I just got the title. Ladies and gentlemen, in order to achieve an R rating today, a motion picture must contain full frontal nudity, graphic violence, or an explicit reference to the sex act. Since this film has none of those, and since research has proven that R-rated films are by far the most popular with the movie-going public, the producers of this motion picture have asked me to take this opportunity to say, fuck you. The shit-eating grin on his face after that line mm. is the absolute best part of that. It is. Now, I believe that this clip really gets into what is maybe my primary, if not one of my two main issues I have with this film, which is that if they were going to make it rated R, they should have gone and just done it. They should have gone ahead. They should have had the gore. They should have had the, the sex, the, the tits. They should have gone ahead and had it be exactly what it was parodying and have that be a part of the joke. That they say, you know, oh, but we're we're more highbrow than than this and this that that did all this and showed the the girls titties and showed the leg getting cut off or whatever, and then have some titties and have a leg getting cut off. And I think that's what really would have stepped this this movie up in the right direction. I understand why they didn't. 
I understand why they wanted this to be more, or oh, well, the, the joke is that we're not showing anything, or the joke is that people who hate these horror movies can watch this and really laugh at it and really take a vehement stance against horror films. But I, I just think, uh, once again, to draw the comparison to Scary Movie, Scary Movie had tits and had blood. And I think that's one of the reasons that it sort of took off, is that you got that same thrill that you would have gotten from a horror movie, as with a lot of horror comedy that happened late in the 80s. You got the same thrill of watching the gore and the titties, but but you, you got the jokes in there as well, and the sort of knowing approach, the wink at the camera, know what I mean? True, it, and I think you're right in regards to the differences by including those kinds of aspects, like you said, the nudity and the gore, it's sort of a, we're all having fun kind of a, a mentality, whereas in student bodies, it does come across as somewhat lecturing at certain points. Mm, yeah. That, that, yes, they're having fun with the tropes and the genre, but there are certain times where it does still feel like, oh, by the way, we are judging this. Like, we do think that this is a stupid genre and that it's very easy to make a horror film kind of a thing. So I don't know if yeah. necessarily this is a labor of love, just because there are certain aspects where it does seem to sort of judge horror as a genre. Yeah, and if I'm watching a horror comedy, I, I don't want to feel like I'm watching Reef of Madness. You know, I don't want to feel like I'm being condescended to, like, oh, you like this genre of movies. You're a, you're a fucking idiot, basically. I don't, I don't like feeling like that. And so I feel like if they had done it as more as you said, a labor of love and a passion project and saying, oh, we, we really like this, but we're still going to point at the tropes. We're still going to point out, oh, look how much money horror movies are making around this time. That, 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 that would have, I think, had a better overall uh, piece, in, in my opinion. And, and it's interesting, uh, Mr. Drillhole, because this is the first time I've actually really looked at this film Analytically, um, normally I just sort of uh, sweep this as I just enjoy this movie, it makes me laugh, and that's it. But you're absolutely right in regards to it does, it is a little mean spirited sometimes. Um, especially the very opening scene, it talks about how 72, you know, horror slasher films had been made the year prior, none of them lost money, and so it sort of goes along with that in regards to they're kind of making this point of like, look how easy it is to make a horror film and make it look like all the other films of its time. And that this is base and stupid and that this is not really, this shouldn't be worth your time. And it is a little mean spirited. And now I'm kind of sad because I really like this movie. And now I'm sort of second guessing myself and going, does it like me back? Does this movie appreciate that I'm watching it as a fan of horror or is this sort of like you said, is this a reefer madness, but for horror films instead? And mm -hmm. so I'm kind of, uh, Mr. Drill, I gotta say, you're kind of having me question, uh, my, my motives here or, or my enjoyment of this film. Open it up your mind for once, Mr. Romero. Oh, open oh, it up your mind. Uh, Come on, opening, open up your butt. I was just about to say, uh, uh, very similar to opening up other things, I'm sure. Mm, um, but yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I still, I will have to say I still will always enjoy this film, and uh, there's a particular character uh, coming up that I enjoy very, very much. Um, Is the guy who looks like a grown-up version of your killing this mouse from the Sandlot? Yes, actually. Mm. That's exactly it, because I have done an exhausting amount of research on that actor and have come up with nothing. He is actually a bit of a mystery. 
well, maybe my theory is correct. Maybe he transported in time from when he grew up to that age, which was, uh, hell, when did, when did Sandlot come out? Like 2000 or 99 or something? 99 maybe, yeah. Yeah, so, so think, you know, he was probably, you know, 10 at that point. So he's probably around the age that he looks in the movie now. Developed time travel, went back in time, filmed that movie, went back here. That's quite a that's quite a theory that you just had ready on point there. I'm pretty impressed. Oh, but you. let's talk about the character that we've been uh, sort of tiptoeing around here, uh, Malhurt, the uh, the janitor. So here's a here's a scene sort of summing him up nicely as all of the other teachers are trying to find out who this killer could be, and blame gets thrown on mm-hmm. Malhurt. Poor soul wants a teacher now, a janitor. He does enjoy the raise in pay. Albert afford hookers. Look at him. Look at him. He's got blood on his hands. No. Since accident, Albert sometimes pee red. You no good urologist? I'll get it. I'm farthest from the phone. That makes sense. Hello? Hello. I won't beat around the bush. I killed everybody, and I'm glad. <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. What makes your voice sound so funny? I'm disguising it, Smack. How? By talking through a rubber chicken? I thought it sounded like you were speaking through a rubber chicken. Listen, I'm going to kill next at the football game, click. Did you hang up? No, I just said click. Well, who was that? The killer. Chicken lips. And if that was the killer, then Malbert can't be guilty. You can go, Malbert. Damn, Malbert never get picked. Now, interesting thing about this, and I want to gush about Malbert in just a second... But the point of the scene is because the killer was calling in with all the teachers in the room, and that means that none of the that Malbert couldn't be the killer because you can't be calling in, be in the same place at the same time. But that also uh, excuses everybody else in that in that room, which I think the movie either I don't know if they do that on purpose or just what or they wrote themselves into a corner. But that means that none of the other people in that room can be the killer either, including the principal who they kind of play up could be the killer among other characters in there. Yeah, and I know for, for a fact that they want, uh, at that point, exuding everybody else because uh, the scene later that you would mention about the, the chainsaw, which is actually the character I thought you were referring to, that's the grown-up Saint-Lot guys, the one carving the horse heads. They just look very similar. Um, oh, oh, I thought you meant actual Smalls, the kid with the... Uh... The, uh, the oh, no, no, I meant the kid who says you're killing Miss Smalls. Ah, see, see, Mr. Drillhole, if you were here more often, we'd have, we'd be on the same page. Well, my goodness, I'm sorry. I thought, I, I, you know, I, if next time I'll memorize the, the damn Sandlot characters before I come in to discuss the movie. Clearly, IMDb Sandlot before you bring your ass in. Okay, will do. My God. So, all uh, right. So, so yes, um, uh, Mal, but now, um, a couple points. First off, I feel like uh, Malba as a character is the reference to Hills Have Eyes. Uh, oh. that they, yeah, that they, they have hired in this uh, actor who perhaps is a bit more gangly, you know, slightly deformed in a way like they did with, with Hills Have Eyes, the, the dude from uh, from House of a Thousand Corpses. Um, and uh, or was it just Devil's Rejects? The dude who says fucking chickens, that guy. Right. Um, uh, and uh, they... They hire him in and essentially say, it's a mutant. It's a, it's the killer. He's a mutant. He looks different than us. And I feel like that's kind of what they're playing with here. It's like, oh, Malbert looks different or he's a little slow. He must be the murderer. That's and true. I never even considered the Hills Have Eyes reference. Very good. But I have to say that, okay, so Malbert is this, like, eight-foot-tall, like, 60-pound man who can, like, warp his body around. He can wrap all of his fingers around his thumb and his thumb still sticks out the bottom it's really weird. He's a very weird dude. Mm-hmm. And 
I was so enamored with his character because he's so bizarre in this movie that I actually tried to track down who this actor was because I wanted to see other films that he had been in. You wanted to get him on the show? And clearly get him on as a guest spot. Yeah. And the problem is he is an absolute mystery. Uh, The actor himself was just known as The Stick. That was his, like, acting name. Um, And he he was on an episode of The Gong Show and Student Bodies, and that's it. He's never been in anything else. Um, there's uh, just no no one knows what the hell happened to him, and it really it genuinely drives me nuts because he is so very bizarre in this movie, and uh, I would have loved to have seen anything else he would he would have done. And for whatever reason, he just stayed he just kept low and stayed off the radar. Well, I hope that something terrible didn't happen to that man in mid '80s. Otherwise, I'm sure that Rob Zombie of all people would have tracked him down. True. True. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I do love Mel, but, I mean, the way that guy moves his arms is fantastic. He just has an innate sense of body and his own body and the, the way that he's able to sort of swing his arms back and just make them completely loose like spaghetti is uh, absolutely spectacular. It's a great visual gag. Um, but, but that other scene you just played is really where I got the kind of clue from this film, uh, the very clue humor in it, in that you have a room full of people and everybody knows their line to a T. Everybody knows that character to a T, and it's very, very, very quick. They're mm-hmm. back and forth. Everybody's just back and forth. And uh, that's where I, I sort of thought, you know, this is almost very Clue in a way. They're discussing, it's a it's a black comedy, obviously, this, discussing murder in Clue. Um, and uh, in this as well, uh, you know, with the DACA aspects of it, and also, as I was saying, just the very quick repartee between the characters. Uh, very true. I can see that. I can see that. Um, there are a couple of the, the two other little character moments I wanted to point out were um, the psychi- the school psychiatrist. Um, I've got a quick clip here of just him. <laughs> he only gets really like one scene in the movie, but it's so weird. And it's when he's uh, talking to our main survivor girl, uh, Toby, uh, about uh, why she hasn't uh, why she's against sex when everyone else in her class is all for it. And uh, so it's just a real quick quick clip here. So hold on just a moment. I I think so, Dr. Sigmund. Please, don't be so formal. Call me Daddy. Uh, Daddy? Wouldn't that be unusual? Not really, Toby. You see, someday I hope to be famous. Father image to the disturbed. All I need is one sensational face. Him asking her to call him daddy is is something that's so very bizarre. And then, of course, uh, two seconds later, she goes into her father used to abuse her and tell her that sex is bad. And so then we cut back to the doctor who says, I don't want you to call me daddy. Very, very small thing that I love in that scene where he's picking up and cleaning various things in his office and he picks up the phone and you hear the breather on the phone. Yeah, that was very bizarre. Oh my God. I love that. Now that's just one of those subtle things where I just thought, uh, at that point I was so officially on board with the movie. I said, this movie has sold me 100%. I will go buy this movie tomorrow. Now, that it now, knew comedy and knew how to set up comedy at that point. And that's true. The, this, that is one thing that this movie does well that I think the Wayne's Brothers ones kind of missed the mark on is that it's still a good comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, horror parody aside, there are still very classically set up jokes and things along those lines. Um, and a lot of really weird moments, like in the, the previous scene when the the woman's on the phone with the killer and she's like, why does your voice sound weird? It's like, because I'm disguising it, schmuck. Like, there's certain things where 
it's just very bizarre little one-liners here and there. But, okay, so let me ask you this, uh, Mr. Uh, Drillhole. Sure. Um, you can just call me Drillhole, by the way. Oh, okay. M- M- Mr. Drillhole was my father. Oh, of course, of course. Uh, so, Drillhole, uh, when, when you're watching this film, um, at what, what, what are your ending thoughts on it? Like, at what point do you go, do, I want to know what your thoughts were overall. Because we've talked about say... it as a parody. We've talked about it in terms of what it's trying to make reference to. And, oh, and by the way, I wanted to make mention that my thought on Prom Night with Jamie Lee Curtis is um, at the end of the movie, our main character, girl Toby, puts on an outfit that's supposedly Sandy from Greece. Uh, they make a passing mm. reference to that. But she looks just like Jamie Lee Curtis does at the end of Prom Night. She's in yeah. the same kind of outfit, same hair. So I thought that was sort of the reference to that. Yeah, and to go ahead, uh, I mentioned I had two major problems with this film, and the one was that they decided to go with more of a PG-13, despite what they had said was R. But my second issue was really uh, that this film falls off the wagon. Uh, I would say, um, the, I, I couldn't tell you an exact moment, but I would say once they begin Toby's actual investigation of trying to find out who the killer is, I say they they drop a lot of comedy. The jokes aren't a mile a minute anymore, like they had set up early in the film, and it more became about what could be an actual mystery, which, as you said, is almost uh, pointless because they had shown what well, ain't any of the main characters we show in the room because he's on the phone right there. It perhaps is Malba because he walked in right after, but uh, it you know said. Hey, all these characters, they ain't really the killer there. And so you don't care at that point. You don't care about the characters. You know this is a joke, a parody film. So having any amount of seriousness at all in what's the mystery, who's the killer, doesn't really work with this movie. And as I say, the jokes fall off. I'd say once once prom starts, jokes ain't a mile a minute. Jokes ain't as strong. They're repeating some jokes. Uh, they ain't as funny anymore. And then certainly when it gets to the end, and should we just do? Do, do you, Mister Room, have a clip at the end, or should I just talk about it? Well, I have uh, I have a clip of uh, of the principal giving a really weird speech, but we do end with with a carry reference. Um, but but before that, I get what you're saying. So um, one thing I wanted to mention before we discuss the absolute ending of the film is um, I I want to go actually back to something you said earlier mm. that you mentioned that if they had really committed to a hard R rating that it would have made for a more enjoyable experience and it would have been... Hey, hey, kitty? Oh, hey, kitty. Oh, oh good kitty. Oh. Uh, feel free to drill an extra butthole in, in the cats, by the way. They are... Uh... I don't touch animals. I ain't some kind of sicko. Oh, I, I apologize. I apologize. Oh, but, but my point is, um, I feel the same logic would have been true for the ending. Um, because uh, a film that is starts out very funny and ends very dark and chilling would be something like Behind the Mask. Um, mm, yeah. Where, where the first part is very funny and very tongue-in-cheek and very meta, and then there's a switch that happens halfway through, and then it becomes a genuine horror film towards the end of it. If they wanted to do that with student bodies and really genuinely make it more of a serious tone towards the second half, then they should have committed to that. But instead, it's sort of they kind of go halfway with it. And as such, like you said, it's not so much, oh, my God, this is genuinely a horror film that I'm watching at the end. It's just, oh, it's just less funny now. Yeah, that's exactly right. And by the way, everybody out there that might be listening, do check out Behind the Mask. 
the rise of Leslie Nielsen. Uh, great, great horror movie. Um, well, like you said, a pot, pot comedy, pot horror. But um, here's the thing, and, and behind the mask, what you're saying makes me realize I've been trying to mull over in my mind. Is there another parody movie that is sort of uh, as sort of condescending as Student Bodies is towards its source material? And I can't really think of it. Behind the Mask, certainly not. Behind the Mask certainly enjoys horror movies. Uh, I think even the scary movie films really do lack well, horror films. I don't know about that. I would say you with don't scary. Think so? I think with scary movie, the first one is sort of a love letter to the the movies that had grown in popularity at the time. Mm-hmm. Screams, I know what you did last summer, things like that. But when it came to like scary movie five and six and things like that. At that point, there's Is no... Is there a six already? I think there might be. There, oh there was God. no love anymore. It was just, this was this makes us money, and this is just references to things that had happened over the last year. It was just sort of this slideshow of, here are pop culture things of note from the last year, right, which right. immediately dates this film. So well, I don't... I, yeah, I take it back then, because you're absolutely right. But in that case, I'll just tweak slightly my point to mean that there are no parodies that are malicious or sort of hateful like Student Bodies comes off as at times, where it's, hey, we don't like this specifically. Like, yes, Scary Movie of 5 and 6 may not care, may right. not be just kind of empathetic, and, and like you said, hey, it makes money, let's throw in a reference to Mama, because this was the most popular horror movie this year, so why right. not? Um, but, but, but I don't think they specifically dislike it or, or, or against it in some way. True, I think that's an, a more accurate uh, way to say it. So let's get to the ending here. So uh, we've gotten, we've kind of brought down um, who the killer could be, and it ends up, they kind of, it's, it's confusing, but they kind of go for a Friday the 13th, and there's an older woman who's claiming to be one of the killers, and then also maybe Toby's kind of would-be boyfriend. They kind of reference that as well, like they were doing it together, and that's how they were killing everybody. Mm-hmm. Um and then we just kind of throw that to the side, and then it's just Toby running down hallways, and all of the characters who were previously dead are chasing after her. And it almost reminded me of Slaughter High, which I don't like that movie particularly much, but um, that and that movie sort of ends in the same way of like, oh, hey, here's all the dead people chasing this person down um, a school hallway. But nevertheless, so she's running and running and running and running, and then she wakes up. Mm. And now we're doing the Wizard of Oz ending. Yeah. She's in bed. She had swine flu from lack of sex, apparently. And uh, now we're seeing, oh, you were in the dream, and you were in the dream. And the joke is that everyone is, their roles are reversed. That the principal in the the most of the movie is the the handicapped janitor, and that Malbert is this upstanding gentleman, and that this butch woman is actually a man, and da-da-da-da-da. And so that's kind of the whole joke there. And then the movie kind of picks up like, oh, now she's just going to have a normal life and she's finally going to have sex with her steady boyfriend who then is actually a killer in real life and has the rubber gloves on and things like that and ends up strangling her and kills our our final girl. And then they bury her and they're doing a eulogy and then she reaches up like at the end of Carrie and she ends up strangling the boyfriend and that's how we end it. Yeah. Um, yeah, Carrie and a lot of the sort of last moment. But here's the thing, like you pointed out, um, or sort of as we both have been commenting on, any actual horror they were trying to do 
was almost completely worthless in this movie because we weren't going to see it as that. Mm-hmm. They had built such a strong world of comedy that any amount of horror, which includes the scene which is running from all the dead people in the hallways, that, that is sort of, in other words, you know, might be sort of, uh, I would say, a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. Might be, they, or if they had played it a little bit uh, in a different way. I think in that scene there was somebody in a trash can on wheels, like wheeling after her. So, I mean, maybe not that. But but it could have been a legitimately a little bit um, claustrophobic and frightening, as well as the last sort of uh, carry old Friday the Thirteenth mm-hmm. grab at the end. Uh, but but it just it didn't it didn't really fit. It didn't make sense, and it didn't it, it wasn't in the way that a lot of horror comedies mesh, or or in other words. In some ways, don't mesh, if that makes sense. Where we know they're a horror comedy, and we know, like, for instance, Return of the Living Dead, as an example. Mm-hmm. Well, well, it is such strong comedy, especially right from the beginning of the film. Such strong, strong comedy, yet is still able to pull off some legitimately scary scenes near the end. And even though we know, this is very weird, I saw a body, a naked body, just, like, flailing around on the floor and knocking stuff over... Uh, 30 minutes ago, that when you see a monster, uh, an actual legitimate scary monster, you buy into it because they've built this world for you and it doesn't feel like a complete parody. It still makes sense. You buy into it. Very true. I I think that's accurate. And so I I do feel, and and prior to this conversation, which now I'm kind of reevaluating my my love of this film, um, I did think that the ending was very kind of throwaway. Just because even in the movie that she asks, you know, uh, when she wakes up and now her boyfriend's going to kill her for real, she asks why, and he goes, I don't know, I guess that's just kind of the guy I am, or something like that. And it's like, that's such a piss-poor response that, like, it just seemed like the writers just kind of threw their hands up and were like, whatever, it's just, we're done now. Um, And that sort of goes back to that mean-spirited sort of mentality of just like, you know, there's never any thought put into these kind of movies and, you know, there doesn't need to be a good reason. They're just going to do it just to do it, and that's it. And yeah. so the ending and does... if anything, yeah, yeah, that kind of that kind of bites it in the ass. That that if that, it's, it's, that is really its theory and its reasoning for why they, they took what they did, you know, and they, they are uh, on their pedestal there, on their high horse, saying, oh, we don't need to write any more reasoning, or we don't need to have a better uh, structure to this movie because horror films don't have the right structure, the right reasoning... Listen to us sit here and criticize your film. That that we would be less critical of your movie and say that it stood more on the you know shoulders of giants if it had actually put more reasoning and more thought into who is the killer or the reveal of the killer or any of that or if it it had followed more of a an actual horror film's structure that that we would have uh, maybe had it last longer not have this be. A movie that even a, a dedicated horror fan might not even have heard of or watched. Uh, very true. Very, very true. And so, overall, though, I will say I still very much enjoy the movie. I still think it's very funny, at least in the first half. Um, and then in the second one, the second half, it does kind of lose some steam. Although, uh, I will say our, our, our award, I think... Now, now, normally we give an award to like a particular actor that stands out as awful... Um, but in a parody film, that's a little more difficult. I do want to give the Joey Award to Malbert, though, because he did really stand out. It's just a very bizarre character. And I would have watched a whole movie of just him. Um, and uh, so, so like I said, the, there's a lot of 
a lot of strong points of this film. There's a lot of things I really like about this movie. However, um, it's not a perfect film by any means. And so I would definitely recommend go watch it. Um, it does, it is amazing in how it's calling so much shit that, uh, the genre would eventually get into down the road. But, uh, Overall, though, I, I would say that it's not perfect, but it is an interesting kind of case study in horror and and what was popular at the time, and they were still using to a decade, two decades later. Yes, I, I would say so, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that ultimately I, I wish that it did go a little bit further and that it did reach a little farther and it didn't overstay its welcome in the type of humor it was trying to pull off because I think this really would have been, as I said, a movie that would have... Uh, stood st- stood a lot taller than than it than it currently does. That not a lot of people know what this is, and uh, not a lot of people have seen this. And I think that it would have maybe prevented a lot of people who currently even still think they'll be an original. You know, you see Gakko commercials nowadays, so people are making the same jokes that student bodies did twenty five years ago, more than that, and thinking they're being super original about it. like, oh look what horror movies do. Isn't this stupid? Right. You know, but 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 they're saying. Student Body Citizen 1981 pointed out these tropes before Nightmare on Elm Street even came out. Before before a lot of these very famous slasher movies even came out, they had pointed so, out these same tropes. So let me ask you this: if if Student Bodies had become more popular, if it was a more well known film, do you think it would have changed things? Do you think it would have shamed horror into changing up its game a little bit? No, I don't think it would have shamed horror. I think it might have changed uh, the future parodies to come out. I think that Scary Movie might have had to uh, switch up a lot of their jokes and change that around and say, oh, man, we got this really popular film, Student Bodies, really pointed out a lot of horror. And if they were going to do it, that they had to comment more specifically on things that were happening in the 90s as opposed to tropes that have been carried over from the 80s. Since Student Bodies would have already successfully pulled that off, would have already been cemented in pop culture, people knew what it was, people had seen it, that scary movie would have had to change that game. I don't think horror would have changed. I think that ultimately the one thing student body says, right, is that you can make fun of a, you know, the way that a movie is presented or, or the way that a genre is presented all you want. But if it's making Hollywood money, they're not going to change. Don't fuck you. Um, so, so I think that no, it would not have, it would not have changed horror. Interesting. In general. Interesting. Uh, and actually, uh, Mr. Drill, I apologize for interrupting you. I actually have to take a quick phone call here. Uh, my co-host, actually, I have to, I have to, so if you could just, um, if you wouldn't mind just kind of stepping into the living room real quick, I have oh, to take oh, this sure. call. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be quiet. I'll be quiet as a, as a church mouse. Thank you. Just Thank go you. play with the cats for a moment. All, All right. right. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yes. They're named Gomez and Pugsley. You'll love it. Okay. Thank you. Oh, yes. Okay. Hold on. Hello? Yes, Tien. Oh, yeah. What's up, buddy? I'm hey. Like kind of in the middle of a, a meeting. Oh, that's great. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, I'm right in the middle of uh, recording the podcast. It's uh, it's about oh, it. Go, go. It's about an average episode. I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily uh, send it to my mother by any means. Oh, and and side note, uh, please call the police because there's a serial killer uh, and a mutilator in my house uh, named Drillhole, and he's threatening to drill me another butthole. Um, so oh please, my God. so so please, uh, it's been horrifying. Um, he oh, bears a strike. No, no, not yet. Um, but if you could call the police for me, I would really, really appreciate it because um, he is okay. threatening again to drill me a second butthole. And you know, I already have an issue with holding in poop already. So yeah, I don't yeah, think. I know. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that the last episode. I think. Like, yeah, you're, yeah. You're so. Your poops, okay. Well, well. Um, uh, that's fine. I can go ahead and. Uh, uh, what did you want to do then? Prior to me, you know, 
calling the police for you with this uh, serial killer in your house. Well, um, before that, I figured priority list, we need to get the game done um, for next week to figure oh, out right. who... Okay, yeah, that is more important than, uh, than your livelihood. So right, right. It, the, 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 police, the police will get here. It's fine. It's a small town. But yeah, but okay. my point is, yeah, if you can pull yeah, up the I game real the quick, game that would be great. Yeah, definitely. Okay, all right. So, so this week is actually called uh, Deadly Dating. Um, so what this is, is uh, it's actually going to be uh, three what seem like dating profiles for famous horror characters. Oh, I like this. Okay. Um, so, so I'll read off the information about that character, and uh, then we'll both give a guess as to who we think it is. And I think we'll be even have a tiebreaker question uh, if we, for instance, uh, both get the same number right or wrong or whatever. I would say more accurately, um, probably the same amount wrong. Yeah, probably. Well, more than I could, uh, we will both get uh, all of them wrong. Okay, so uh, the first one here is uh, the gender being male. Uh, their birthday is April 20th, 1935. Uh, their height, six foot two, eyes brown, hair brown. And here's the uh, detail of them here. Uh, they were born and raised a California boy. Some might describe me as tall, slender, and handsome, like the boy next door type. At night, I like to fill my free time up with practicing at taxidermy. I'm looking for someone that wouldn't mind our dates taking place at my house so I can keep an eye on things at work. Feel free to send me a message if you like what I hear. I'm looking for a new best friend. Ooh. So, so who do you think that is? If I had to guess, I would say, which is this, if this is what I'm thinking, this is tough. Because the movie itself uh, doesn't give a lot of those details in terms of physical uh, features, but I would say um, my guess is Norman Bates uh, from yeah. from Psycho. That would be my guess. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, I'm gonna mirror that. Okay. All right. So let's see here. Um, so Norman Bates. So yeah. So Norman Bates uh, would be my guess as well. So we're both going Norman Bates. So this is gonna turn out to be hopefully a tie. I think. Uh, so the second question I have here, uh, also a man. Uh, their birthday is March 9th, 1950. Um, they are 5'9", uh, blue eyes, and brown hair. And here's what they write about themselves. Bad boy by nature, but I promise I'm a good guy. I've always been good with kids, though, so if you have kids, that isn't a problem for me. Someone with experience in voodoo would be preferred. If you live in the Chicago area, you would want to get to know me. Just drop me a line. So who do you believe that is? Oh, man, that's tough. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Chucky? Is that, is that, maybe that's what the... So you're going Chucky? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with a more formal answer of Charles Lee Ray. <laughs> He's in the body of a child's play doll, uh, and a good guy doll. So, uh, yeah, all right, once, once again, we, we selected the same answer, so uh, we'll see on the, on the last one if maybe we have a different opinion here. All right, so uh, once again, we're talking about a man here. This is a male. Uh, their birthday is April 13th, 1918, and their height is at six foot four. They have brown eyes. Here's what they say about themselves. I as I've said many times before, and the epiphany of the American spirit. So my new lady has to love the U.S. of A. I'm going to put it out there up front, though. I am a married man. But my wife is going away for a long time, so I'm going to need someone on the outside to keep me company. A lady in my life has to love travel, because I'm always on the move. 
If this all sounds good to you, send me a message. I'm sure I could make you laugh. Hmm. All right, who are you thinking? I have no goddamn clue. Um. Yeah, that one is uh, definitely hard. Uh, I'm not sure who that would be. Uh, do you have a guess? I would say uh, make you laugh. I'm going to guess with uh, Dr. Giggles. Dr. Giggles? Yes. Recently, ju- the actor just recently or died. Um, so I'm going to guess Dr. Giggles. I'm sorry. Is that Dr. Giggles? Is that from Killer Clowns or what is that from? No, it's from the film series Dr. Giggles. They made like three films. It was the um, oh, the chubby, okay. the, the, the actor who was in uh, Darkman as the villain there. No, not Liam Neeson. Please, <laughs> what is your answer? Uh, my answer is uh, Pennywise. Oh, yeah, probably. Mm, we'll see. Okay, so uh, this one, we will not need a tiebreaker because we've answered the same on two of them. So ultimately, one of us is probably going to win right now when I go ahead and pull up the answers. Unless we're both wrong we're in the third at, one, in oh, which case. Oh, okay. Um, all right, so we're looking at... Um, Norman Bates being the first one. Okay. The second one, Charles Lee Ray, who is Chucky. The final answer, oh, we're both going to hate ourselves, is Captain Spaulding. Oh, God damn it. Oh, jeez. Well, I'm going to reread that one more time, because now I feel like a complete idiot. Um, but they, uh, okay, yeah, US of A, makes sense. Um, hang on, let me pull it up again here. Yeah, US of A, um... Married man, yeah, makes sense. Wife is going away for a long time. Love travel, always on the move, yeah. Jeez, mm. okay. If, if, well, if there would have been a reference sorry. to, if there would have been a reference to ending the date with a scoop of tutti fucking fruity, I think that really would have <laughs> given it home. Oh, definitely, definitely. I'm gonna go ahead and say, Tian, why don't you pick the movie for next week because uh, I got to pick the last two. So why don't you pick the next movie? <laughs> I'll write the review for Student right, Bodies. Fine. I was going to say that we were going to get how many movies Kane Otter had been in, but, uh, but I mean, you're right. I'll just go ahead and choose how next week's going to be here. All right. Um, I think there's a, a, a movie here called uh, At the Devil's Door that looks pretty bad. Um, yeah, At the Devil's Door. Although, very tempting, there's another old uh, horror movie with Christopher Walken in it, appearing uh, right next to it. Yeah, that would actually be pretty preferred because, as you can hear, he seems to be drilling another butthole into my cat now. So, um, uh, so uh, until yeah, yeah, thank you so much. So, uh, for everyone, everyone listening, if, in case I don't come back next episode, that was Tien Guignol. I'm Zach Romero. Thank you for listening to Frightful Failures on Film. And until next time, continue circulating the tapes. Goodbye. Please leave my cat alone. Do you want to know why I think they were murdered? No. Uh, yes. Why? Because they were naughty. Naughty? Disgustingly naughty. Each and every one of them was caught doing sex. Sex? Yuck. That's right, Toby. Yuck. Sex is dirty and sex is bad.